We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I went in there, I about threw up. I have a little bit more social awareness. That's to take a piss, don't take a shit in the porta potties. All right? Welcome to another edition of the Butting Heads Podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Rivera. I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, the Rams season is over, but on the bright side, we have upgraded your audio, and I think the fans are going to realize that you're going to sound a little better from here on out. Do you guys love the sound of the sultriness of my voice? Let it tantalize you as I continue to give you Rams updates <laughs> through this podcast. Okay, it, I'm done. <laughs> it, it's funny, man. Like, I feel like your voice sounds a little less deep uh, because the phone always makes it sound deeper than a regular microphone, but uh, you still have a deep voice, so don't worry. Oh, that's good. I, I'm glad that <laughs> I, I don't suddenly have a very high voice now. A, a new era of... The Butting Edge Podcast, Rams Talk Radio, now presented by Blue Wire Pods. We are we're upgrading everything here, but uh, the one thing that has been downgraded, I suppose, is the Rams and the Rams defense. The Rams taking a, a loss on the chin 
in Green Bay on Saturday, 18-32. Lost to the number one seeded Green Bay Packers. Uh, that's it. Season's over, but obviously the podcast never ends. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to break down the game. We're going to talk about some comments from our coach about our quarterback that were said after the game and in his end-of-season presser. But uh, the more pressing thing for this podcast and the, the big news out late last night is that our beloved defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, has taken a job right next door. He is walking across the hall and becoming the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. A a pretty miraculous rise for Brandon Staley. It was his first year as a defensive coordinator, and he coached the best defense in the league, uh, pretty much. I, I think by most metrics, we were the best defense in the league, and now he is a head coach. About in, in 2016, the man was the defensive coordinator of John Carroll University, a Division three college. And now he is head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. So it, it's pretty miraculous. Um, we're, we're obviously going to miss this guy. And unfortunately, his, his swan song with the Rams was a disaster. Probably the worst game of his coaching career against Green Bay this week, but it's it's hard to ignore the strides the defense took this season, and especially considering that we went from having one of the best defensive coordinators in NFL history, uh, granted Wade Phillips, he's on the older side, but to upgrade a defense from what Wade Phillips was doing the year before, that does, to me, warrant head coach consideration. I, I thought, ultimately, he was going to get passed up this year, and we'd luckily keep another year, but that's not the case he's a head coach i'm happy for him i think he does deserve it uh it stinks for us but good for him (laughs) yeah absolutely the the funny thing is i when you really think about it do you really like when you go back and think when brandon staley became the defensive coordinator did you really think that brandon staley was gonna take the rams to becoming the number one defense in the NFL. I don't think any of us did. And not to say that the Rams defense was going to be terrible or anything, but there wasn't a lot of positivity, especially considering what the inside linebacker situation and even to an extent, the outside linebacker. So while linebacker isn't everything on defense, it's certainly a huge part of it. uh, Especially if you look at this game, but Uh, you know, as far as <laughs> as far as Brandon Staley is concerned, you got to give the guy credit because this was a good defense coming in, but he took it to a whole nother level, and uh, it's going to be difficult to replace him. You know, I, I don't think people realize how big of a blow this really is. Um, but at the same time, there are still some key players that are there, guys like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, who are two of the best uh, in the game right now. So, you know, no matter who you put there, they have talent there to help, you know, ease the process uh, as it did with with Staley. Yeah, and I think, like, yeah, it, no, I, nobody expected him to be a head coach in August. Oh, if you asked anyone in August, they probably would not have said, Brandon Staley will be a head coach uh, the following season so i mean that's that's a huge testament to him it's a miraculous rise for this dude uh the third coach to become a head coach from the sean mcveigh coaching tree 
which is equally insane considering that he was the youngest coach in NFL history and is only coached for four years. So, I, I mean, it's awesome stuff all around. But, yeah, it's just a meteorotic rise for him. And like you said, this, yes, you have two of the best defensive players in football, including the best defensive player in football. But, like like you said, the, the outside linebacker core was weak and kind of like remained weak throughout the season personnel-wise at least. But he got a ton out of those guys. Um, and the inside linebacking core was very weak. Showed a lot, almost all season, just how not great of a unit this is. And in spite of that inside linebacker unit, we still had the best defense in the league. That is a massive testament to the defensive coordinator and to the linebacker being coaches as well to get kind of the most out of these guys. But, yeah, man, it's not – you can't expect lightning to strike twice and for the Rams to get another defensive coordinator of Staley's caliber uh, from coming up in the ranks. The good news is that – this is going to be the most coveted defensive coordinator job in football, for sure. Uh, but the bad news is, like, A, team, you can't really poach defensive coordinators from other teams. You have to get clearance on that from the teams. And uh, and B, like, Brandon Staley's don't go on, grow on trees, man. We'll see what happens. But uh, it, it's tough to have such a great year with this guy and to lose him immediately. Yeah, it's it's – it's kind of ridiculous when you think about it because it, it's one thing to lose, uh, you know, a position coach quickly, but to lose a coordinator so quickly after one season, I mean, not to say that it doesn't happen because it does, but uh, does it happen after one season? Not not a ton. So uh, especially considering how young Staley is, uh, you know, basically a similar situation as Sean McVay. Uh, but even McVeigh, it took him a couple years to become a head coach. Uh, so I, I got to say, I, I'm happy for the guy. I kind of wish, I'm not going to lie, I kind of wish he wasn't still at SoFi Stadium with the Chargers. But hey, you know what? Uh, I I don't have anything personal against the Chargers uh, or, you know, Staley for that matter. Uh, I wish nothing but success for the guy and hope uh that you know we can find a a good replacement it just may not be as easy as it was the first time around with staley yeah hey at least he's out of the conference uh that's that's, true that's a big win uh and incredible for like sean mcveigh he has three coordinators that are now active head coaches in the nfl that came up through the ranks with him. He's 34. He's the youngest of the four of them. Uh, the oldest is only 41, being Matt LaFleur, uh, who's still coaching in the playoffs with the best team in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers, who just whooped our ass. And you, you still, uh, Zach Taylor still has a job with Cincinnati. Why? <laughs> might not after next year, but he's 37. And uh, Staley's 38. Staley might not be the only Rams coordinator on the move. There are rumors that he's tight with the Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, and that he is probably the front runner right now to take the job with the Los Angeles Chargers as Staley's offensive coordinator. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, O'Connell. Uh, I do not give a shit if he leaves. I don't know why you feel Johnny. No, absolutely not. I, I don't care if, if uh, O'Connell leaves. Quite frankly, I feel like the offense as a whole – took a 
big major step backward and <laughs> I I can't help but feel like he was a big part of the reason. Now was he the only part? Absolutely not. Sean McVay himself told him uh told us in the press uh in the presser later that he was a big part of the uh the playmaking uh or the play decision making. So I don't know if that just started in the playoffs or in the latter half of the season or O'Connell just didn't really call many plays. But even if that's the case, that's not what you want in an offensive coordinator. He should be exactly like how Matt LaFleur was in the uh, first couple seasons with the Rams. So, yeah, either way you look at it, he didn't really bring much to this team. If he wasn't calling plays, why is he there? If he was calling plays, then look where we're at. So, yeah, I, I kind of hope he's gone, if I'm being honest. Yeah, he wasn't calling plays. I, I, I wouldn't sit here and say he needs to, like, get fired, but I, I will not lose sleep if he leaves. Like like you said, I don't – I'm not sure if the Rams got worse offensively from 2019 to 2020. There were some things that improved, most notably the running game, but, like, they certainly didn't make strides, especially in the passing game. Uh, personnel issues. No. <laughs> per- there's personnel reasons why they didn't make strides. There are also personnel reasons why the running game improved. So it's – I don't know how much he did. He's not calling plays. So whatever. We'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know if we need to dive too in-depth into who the next defensive coordinator is, but we could talk about some – front runners um internally you have aubrey pleasant who has been the cornerbacks coach since 2017 he's beloved by the secondary both brandon staley raved about the guy jalen ramsey really raves about the guy if they were to go at this position internally through the system maybe they hope to keep brandon staley's system in place with one of these guys uh aubrey pleasant seems like the trendiest candidate and somebody that you know if he steps in as a defensive coordinator and does a great job might also be in this Brandon Silly position to be a head coach um the the kind of safer candidate I guess would be inside linebackers coach Joe Barry who's also the assistant head coach uh he's also been with the team since 2017 he has been a defensive coordinator in the past most notably with Sean McVay in Washington back in 2016 um also was the defensive coordinator with the Detroit Lions back in 07 and 08 which is not really a great time to be with the lions but it's still experience uh he has experience i'm sure he has a defensive system he'd probably take lots of pieces from this defensive system if he were to become the defensive coordinator and one thing about barry is he's the inside linebackers coach and a he got stuff out of our guys this year that i don't really think was possible even though they left a lot to be desired and b one thing that seems like it's going his way is how bad Corey Littleton was this year compared to how good he was under uh Barry's tutelage so I mean those are are for sure the favorites I would say internally I don't think they're the the only uh internal candidates but I I would say today Pleasant seems like the front runner but there's not it's there's not really like a I don't know it's so early in this process and with defensive coordinators because you're rarely poaching defensive coordinators and such, like it's it's a crapshoot of who really it who teams really like and whatnot. 
without a doubt and and to tell you the truth the uh i i think both candidates would be acceptable especially pleasant uh but you got to give it up to barry as well when when you think about it they lost some key guys in the linebacking core you mentioned littleton who did absolutely nothing with the las vegas raiders and then Dante Fowler, who didn't have much of a presence either in Atlanta. You know, uh, very disappointing season for as much as they paid him. And I, if you want to throw in Clay Matthews in there, you can throw him in there as well. You lost some major linebackers. And to be quite honest, other than Leonard Floyd, you really didn't get any replacement other than the guys you pretty much already had, especially an inside linebacker. So the fact that he can get them and at least make them respectable, I, I got to give him credit because, he, I, I mean, they still weren't that impressive, but I was not expecting the Rams to still be the number one defense. And to, to see that he kind of got the linebacking core there and how much he really helped improve, you know, guys like uh, Leonard Floyd who, you know, is pretty much in a Dante Fowler-like situation also. Uh, you know, there's something to be said about Barry. You know, Pleasant, on the other hand, you know, he he created probably the best secondary in the NFL, uh, if not one of them for sure, uh, making Darius Williams into a, um, a Pro Bowl-like player. And, of course, Troy Hill has been Troy Hill and, and Ramsey, of course, himself as well. So... You know, they, these guys can easily become coordinator, and I wouldn't bat an eye, but it wouldn't hurt also to take a look outside the organization, uh, which I'm sure we'll start to hear interviews getting lined up pretty soon. Yeah, it. Um, Cam DeSilva at Ramswire listed some candidates. He included Raheem uh, Morris, the Falcons interim head coach and defensive coordinator, used to coach the Bucks like a decade ago. Uh, Wisconsin defensive coordinator Jim Leonard, who's one of the best coordinators in college football, is rising up the ranks quickly. He's only six years out of the NFL. Only two years out of the NFL, Pat's linebackers coach Gerard Mayo, who was interviewing for head coaching jobs. So that's kind of like a, a fast track to being a head coach in this league. But, I mean, there's there's really not much like we can really add about any of these guys without, like, diving into their positions on the teams and, um, you know, seeing who the Rams actually bring in for interviews. I I, I don't know if any of those guys, like, get you excited, Johnny. I, I still feel like, it, like it's a little risky to, to go with Pleasant because he doesn't really have that experience. And maybe you go with Barry because he does have that experience. But I, I feel like it, they might look internally for this. And I think, Pleasant would make a lot of players on the team happy, and I think that that is an important factor. That's pretty much what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that Pleasant would be the popular choice for the team, and there is something to be said for that. You know, there's a reason why that this coach resonates with the team, and hey, if that's what it takes to keep them happy and keep them producing, I'm all for it. You know. Um, and it's not like Pleasant hasn't gotten results either. So I'm kind of with you, Steve. I, I'm not exactly thrilled about potential options, but again, 
we'll see who actually comes in and starts interviewing. Maybe there's a guy that will be a surprise candidate. You never know. Yeah, we'll see. And, uh, yeah, I think the one thing with Barry and with Pleasant, I don't think it really happened with the other Rams coordinators, but, like, maybe if one of those guys gets a job, gets the job, the other one's, like, not thrilled that he was passed over and looks to leave. I don't know. I don't think that would happen with, like, the other coaches because I think Pleasant has been considered – he was considered last year. I'm sure Barry was too, and they went outside. And I don't know. They all like McVay, so I don't know if any of that would happen. Uh, but let's take a quick break, and then we will talk about uh, Saturday's disaster. Hey, everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand-new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or on an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. And check out the distribution box. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, so Brandon Saley is gone in his legacy. No, kind of went away with this, this game. Uh, eight, 32 to 18, the Packers really took care of business against the Rams in Lambeau in the cold. There was a lot of reasons the Rams lost this game, and I I have a lot of thoughts on the offense, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but you'd, you'd be crazy to not say that the, the loss, the, a bigger percentage of the loss at the very least falls on the defense in this game. Uh, this is the best defense in the league. They're going against statistically – the best offense in the league at worst, like a top three offense. They're playing against debatably the most talented quarterback to ever play football coming off an MVP season. Uh, as we mentioned in the pod last week, maybe the deepest backfield in the NFL and they ran wild. Uh, the, <laughs> they, they ran all over us 188 yards. Every single one of these three running backs, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and A.J. Dillon had a day. Uh, Aaron Rodgers picked apart the Rams' defense, really didn't have any issues, didn't get sacked once. Uh, I like. It's a shame because there's there's really not a single defensive performance from this game that I could look to and say, oh, yeah, that guy had a hell of a day. Uh, every one of them contributed to this loss. Obviously, Aaron Donald was banged up. And that does not help you at all, especially when you're playing against Aaron fucking Rodgers. But it was it was not great, man. It was not ideal. Uh, they The defense, you knew the Packers was going to get some points in this game, but they got a lot, ultimately far too much for the Rams to handle. Uh, and it was a smack in the mouth, man, and a humbling day. And unfortunately, Stanley is not going to be humbled here. He's not even on the team. But um, they, this was a concern going into this game, and the Packers defense or the Packers offense looked like the Packers offense. 
You know, the, the interesting thing is, uh, I feel like had the Packers played their normal way of football, this might be a different tone. Now, I'm not saying that the Rams would have won because there's a lot of factors in why they lost. But, I will say this. Matt LaFleur played a very... or He, he pretty much outcoached everyone. Uh, Matt, Matt LaFleur was... Yeah, he, he was brilliant. He essentially attacked with the way the Rams have been playing pretty much the entire season. You know, dink and dunk offense. That And he exposed... He actually was one of the first teams that the Rams played against that actually had this approach. Now, they weren't the only team. There were other teams, like, uh, immediately that comes to mind was, like, how the Dolphins kind of approached it. But even then, the Dolphins really didn't play that well. It's just the Rams played that bad, uh, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, that was a strictly offensive loss. I would say the only other team that's really decimated our defense like LaFleur did was Buffalo. And even in that game, the Rams kind of dominated them for a pretty long stretch in the second half defensively, which I don't, in this game, the Rams took care of business defensively and like back-to-back drives once. Yeah. Yeah, and that that was pretty much the approach here. They knew the Rams' weak point was particularly at um, inside linebacker, which is why they opted to go for the dink and dunk offense. They knew that there was not great coverage in the middle of the field, so that's ultimately their approach, and it it succeeded tremendously. Now. For me personally, one of the biggest reasons, obviously, is Aaron Donald not being there. You you can't get Aaron Rodgers comfortable in that pocket, and uh, I doubt that he has that big of a game. We've seen it even in during the season where, where he had a remarkable season. When he was pressured, he folded, you know? It wasn't many games, but it happened a few times. Now, Donald is obviously the biggest... Uh, one of the bigger parts of the success of this defense and him being on the field only 55% of the snaps that's devastating and even when he was on the field you could tell that he was not the same Aaron Donald you know not to say that he was you know taking plays off or anything like that because let me tell you (laughs) no one's more passionate than Aaron Donald but the fact that he was not his same dominant self, it really played into the game. And uh, Matt LaFleur knew that. He exposed that. And he he pretty much was the reason the Packers won. It wasn't even so much that the Packers offense dominated. It wasn't so much that the Packers defense dominated. It was the fact that Matt LaFleur came in, had a plan, executed flawlessly. Kudos yeah. to Matt LaFleur. He was he was brilliant in this game. We were wrong about him. We did not think he was a good hire. He is clearly a very skilled coach. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He obviously has a very good team, but he, he has done a great job. Um, yeah, they – it was just like – yeah, it was a very, very good performance. They didn't turn the ball over. They never do. 
and they they ran well, they threw well, uh, they made big plays, they made short plays that worked. Like they they just did it all, and we had no answer really for any of it. Uh, we got the occasional stop here and there, but yeah, it, it, what are you gonna do? It, it, this team came in, they had a game plan, they executed it, and we did nothing to prevent it. Um, and I think, yeah, yeah, Donald being where he was at didn't help. Getting an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty also doesn't help Aaron Donald. I I know it's hard to blame really him for anything, but that was a really boneheaded play uh, when he had that, that that cost us. And, like, this was a game where, yeah, you mentioned our inside linebackers got really exposed. Troy Reader did make a really great play in pass defense on the goal line. I think it was on the first drive of the game. But beyond that, he got destroyed in coverage. As we'd expect, he is not a coverage linebacker, and he's being miscast in that role. Uh, but also, he didn't tackle well, and that's not just on him. Nobody tackled well. Uh, they were breaking tackles left and right. Every one of these running backs was doing it. Um, it was just it was really embarrassing in that regard, just how, just how much room or how they were running. They're just running us over. Uh, tackling in the cold sucks, but these guys get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it, and you got you to gotta expect them to be able to make these tackles. Hundreds of thousands? <laughs> if not millions, Johnny. <laughs> okay, I was just like, I, I had to chime in there. Troy Reader does not make millions. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, probably not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was – and it's it sucks is like I guess it doesn't suck, but there's no there's no really single player or group of players to point your finger at. We got no pass rush. The inside linebackers did horrible in run stop and pass coverage, and the secondary got destroyed. Uh, Jalen Ramsey got his ass kicked multiple times by everybody. Uh, I think like you could point to the Adams touchdown, or there was the the Robert Tunyon big catch before the half where he and Trevor got beat. But to me, the worst one was, I think it was Alan Lazard beat him on second and 17 for a first down when Green Bay had the ball in, like, the eight. And it, it wasn't really that consequential. It's just like, come on, man. Like, you are the arguably the best cornerback in the league, and you're getting toasted by not Devontae Adams and not that difficult of coverage for a guy like you to execute. Um, and the whole secondary was getting destroyed in pass coverage. John Johnson got his ass kicked. Troy Hill got his ass kicked. Uh, Darius Williams had some plays, but also got beat quite a few times, uh, on the Alan Lazar touchdown that really iced the game late in the fourth quarter. Troy Hill and Jordan Fuller got cooked. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't even know what really there is to break down here. The, the defensive coordinator is gone, uh, and all these guys play terrible. It, it, it happens. They really haven't had a truly just awful game this season, and it was bound to happen. It happened at the worst time, but, like, you, you take the shots and you move on, man. It, I don't really have any long-term concerns from any players in these games. Uh, my opinion on, like, the linebackers was always that they weren't they weren't up to snuff. Um, like, I, I don't think Jalen Ramsey is a guy that backs down in big moments. I think he just really got his ass kicked, and it happens, man. And you move on, you learn from it, you grow, you watch the tape. But this is just this was just a game where they got their ass handed to him by a really good offense like 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 I saw a lot of people like destroying this defense on Twitter and as they should they were the main reason we lost this game but like we didn't play the Jets man like this is a very good offense with a legendary quarterback helming it like this is a thing that can happen yeah by all by all accounts you know 
I, I can understand the frustration, especially being in the moment. We all just are pissed off that, that you know, this really good defense was exposed. But at the same time, they're the number one offense for a reason. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in football for a reason. You know, uh, I, I, I really don't think that this should be a game they should hang you know, hang their heads too much. I mean, obviously there could have been things they could have done differently to maybe reduce the score. But to tell you the truth, even 32 points, that's still not that bad against the Packers. They average 31.8 points per game. So, I mean, we held them to their average, essentially. Yeah. Um, Like I said, I, I think... I think there's there could have been measures to reduce the score a little bit for sure, but in the end they came in with a great plan. It wasn't even this wasn't even the Packers as we truly knew knew them. It's like I said, I think that had they came out as the Packers team that we know, I think that the Rams have a chance of winning this game. Like I I truly believe that, but. Considering that they came in with the right approach, this was the result. Um, so this wasn't just a win by the players; it was win by coaching. You got to give the, sometimes you got to give your hats off to the better team, and they were clearly the better team in this game. Yeah, there's there's no denying that the Rams were the underdog going in this game, and the better team won. Uh, the 2020 Green Bay Packers are a much better overall team than the 2020 Rams. Did we have a shot at winning this game? Sure. Did we play, and did we almost win this game? I don't know if we almost won, but, like, we were in the fourth quarter. We have the ball with a chance to tie it. So, I mean, yeah, I, I would say we, we kept ourselves in this game. It They they firmly controlled it, but we weren't, we weren't out. So, I, I mentioned that the Packers scored their average, the their average number of points they score in games this season. Uh, we, on the pod earlier on, or on our preview pod last week mentioned that like the offense needs to have a really, really good performance to win this game. Uh, I saw some reactions on Twitter about how the offense played in this game. I, I haven't really talked to you about Johnny, so I am curious. I, I put out a poll asking if how satisfied people were with the offense's performance in this game on the Ramsock Twitter. We got two, about 260 votes. 56% said they were satisfied 32% said they were unsatisfied, 9% said they were very unsatisfied, and 3% said they were very satisfied. I am really curious how – I want to know how you felt about the offense in this game, Johnny. 32-18 uh, to 18 loss to Green Bay. Uh, and then I'll give you my thoughts because I don't think we've even talked about the silver text. No, we didn't. And uh, to tell you the truth, it, it's kind of hard. If we're talking about it, an offense overall – for what was on the field and what the Rams had available, I would say I'm satisfied. But if we're talking about a Rams team, the potential of what I believe the Rams team could be uh, in terms of their offense, I would say I was unsatisfied. But keeping in mind that you know, they were without Cooper Cup, who is a major part of the offense. They were without, you know, David Edwards, who he's adequate for that, sure. That loss was felt yeah. big time. Yeah. Big time. For sure. So 
that those are two major factors already, and that's not even including without Daryl Henderson, who hasn't been available since what week sixteen, week fifteen. So all that considered, and then you have a banged up Goff, who has looked better in his career, but you know overall he looked and played a lot better. Uh, then we've seen the rest of the season. I don't know what that says about him during the regular season. But um, he played relatively well. So all that considered, I got to go with satisfied just because knowing the circumstances, they're going up against a decent defense. Yeah, I, I, I got to go with satisfied. I don't think I was satisfied. I... When... When you're like, the the one thing that really like sticks with me is that I saw a lot of people were saying like, the Rams offense did enough to win this game and the defense let them down. And I will say before I like get into any of this, I I think this was a solid game from Goff. He didn't turn the ball over. He was very accurate. Um, he didn't really take too many shots deep, but he took he threw it more times over 10 yards than he usually does so like that's that's a positive uh, and he played he played well the offensive line let him down for sure in pass protection it was a, a disaster i uh, and i want to touch on that a little bit later but you scored 18 points man against the best offense in the league there were times you know you can't like people are saying the defense needed to play much better for them to win this game what do you want the defense to do they did not do enough to win this game, no. But, like, if they held Green Bay to 20 points, would we have won this game? No. Based on – yeah, we didn't score 20 points. I uh, Like, things would have been different in that regard. But, like, the the defense, for all their flaws, they got – after uh, that horrible drive to open uh, the, the, the second half where Aaron Jones led with that 60-yard run, and that really, like – in reality, that was probably the end of the game. The Rams offense comes back and goes three and out, minus six yards on that drive. Like, then then the defense comes back out. They have no momentum, and they get a stop. The Rams offense, to their credit, comes out, goes 80 yards, scores a touchdown. That was great. Next drive, defense holds them to another punt, and the Rams get the ball with 13 minutes left, down one touchdown. So, like, the defense, for all their flaws in this game, they put the ball in the offense's hands to give them a shot to tie the game, and the offense failed. They punted at their at their own 31. It's a colossal failure, and the way they failed was horrible. Josh Reynolds dropped a pass. Jared Goff was sacked. Then Jared Goff was almost sacked the next play and had to throw a dump pass on third and 16 to Van Jefferson. It was – and then after that, I mean, yeah, the defense the next two drives was really bad. They gave up a big play, and then – when they came back and they needed a stop for us to get the ball back, the Packers successfully ran the ball out and ended the game. But, like, man, you can't expect the defense to hold every single team to 15 points. You can't have an offense that can't compete in shootouts if you really want to be a contending football team. Like, if you're going to have an offense that's built around a quarterback who can't win in a shootout— you have to have not just an elite defense, Johnny. You have to have one of the best defenses of all time. You have to be the 2000 Ravens. You have to be the uh, was 2002 Tampa Bay Bucks. Like you, you have to be the 06 Bears or the 85 Bears. And, and that team had Walter Payton, so it's not, not even comparable. But like, 
you have you you have to be able to compete in a game where the defense lets you down really to be a team that is truly a contender for a championship and the 2018 Rams had a good defense I would say a very good defense but that offense could light it up when they needed to and when the defense let them down the offense picked it up and that's not something this team has right now and even in a game where Cam Akers ran well and Brian Jefferson or not Van, Van Jefferson did play well but uh Jared Goff didn't turn the ball over we go three now on three of our first five drives. A lot of people are pointing to the time of possession as a reason why the Rams lost this game, and that that is the reason why they lost the game, is how lopsided that was. But that's not just a defensive statistic. That factors into the offense too. And when you go three and out for three of your first five possessions against the best offense in the NFL, I don't know what you expect, man. Uh, yeah, you needed the defense to play better, but they needed to – they needed to shut down Green Bay with the way the offense played for us to have a chance to win in this game. And you can't count on – that's like like if you're playing the Lakers, Johnny, and you hold LeBron to 20 points, that's a win. And if you can't win off of that, like what do you expect them to hold LeBron to? Four points? Like you can't have that mindset in this kind of game. And uh, to me, that's – that's the biggest failure of this offense. That's a story this of this offense the entire year. And even in a game where I think it's hard to look at it, all things considered, and say Jared Goff played bad. He played well. He didn't turn the ball over. But at the same time, he threw for 174 yards. And if that's the game we're celebrating, it's kind of a tough look for this offense. And at, like, we need – I don't know what needs to change, but something needs to change because the 2020 Rams offense – is not good enough to compete at the highest level with. And this game proved it. The 32 points is a lot to give up for your defense. Of course it is. They deserve the main bulk of this loss. But that's what the Packers averaged this year. Like, you can't expect them to give up 14 points to this team. Uh, And that's really what was so frustrating to me about this offensive performance. In the way people were celebrating it. I hated that people were celebrating this. Because this does not deserve to get celebrated. The uh, the Miami Heat would have loved to have held uh, LeBron James to four points, but uh, that's another story. It, <laughs> you make a good point there, Steve. I I think I don't think it's just the fact that that uh, you know he he didn't turn the ball over. I don't I don't think it's the fact that we're celebrating mediocrity. I, I think it's more along the line of knowing what we knew coming into this game. Knowing that we didn't have Cooper Cup. Knowing that Jared Goff was hurt and not playing at his best. Knowing that we weren't going to have David Edwards. You know, these are all critical points. And this could have been much worse. And I think for the majority of us... I think we were kind of expecting for it to be much worse. When I heard that Cooper Cup was not a go, I was terrified. Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? You know, Cooper Cup, I, I think people really don't realize how much of an impact Cooper Cup truly has. He does. Even if he's not putting up major points in the stack column, he puts up major points in terms of what he takes away f- 
from the defense. You know, he he draws a lot of attention. And that helps guys around him like Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, Josh Reynolds. And I think even if David Edwards is out and Cooper Cup is in, I think we have a little bit better of a game. How much better? Who's to say? But it's it was unfortunately what was in the cards. And I, I think we all know already that Jared Goff simply is not the answer in LA right now. Um, I, I don't I, know. <laughs> Go ahead, Steve. Oh, I, 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 I don't think this game really falls on him and yeah, his limitations are there, but it's like, even without Cooper cup and with Cooper cup back next year, like you look at the receiving core and it's Cooper cup, it's Robert Woods, it's Van Jefferson. I like all three of them as players. They're all good players. They're all in in Cup, Cup and Woods are very, very talented and good and useful receivers. But it's like Johnny, when you go to McDonald's and you order a value meal, they give you a cheeseburger, French fries, and a soda. They don't give you three cheeseburgers, and the Rams have three cheeseburgers because these guys all do the same thing. They don't, don't know- stretch the. They don't stretch. Nobody stretches the field. There's no versatility in the receiving core. You need, yeah, they're all good, but like you need, you need to have guys that do different things. Like when they had Sammy Watkins or when they had Brandon Cooks, and to spend draft capital on receiver and to go get Van Jefferson, who's good, who I believe is going to be a really good receiver, but he does nothing different than the guys we have, and those guys are under contract for a long time, and it's like, I don't, I don't even know where they go with this receiving core. I would personally love to know if uh, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Van Jefferson <laughs> would like to be compared to a, a hamburger. I uh, they don't. I said a cheeseburger. <laughs> oh, che- oh, my bad. Cheeseburger. Much better. Yeah, you're you're right. The cheeseburger is much better. But <laughs> analogies aside, here, uh, you know who would have been good for this situation. Steve, Brandon Cooks. That Sammy that's Watkins. true, but <laughs> but there is another player that I have in mind. One that we could have had. <laughs> Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims. You know, remember how everyone was saying, "Well, Van Jefferson's a good player." Yes, I and we both alluded to that fact that yes, Van Jefferson is going to be a very talented player. But with the trio of guys that basically have the same talent, um, not the the same exact talent, but a very similar talent, it would have been nice to have a burner in Denzel Mims, who is freaking wasted on the New York Jets. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, th- this is a topic we could dive into more in the offseason. The, la- the last thing I do want to say about this game specifically is, like... Joseph Nopum started a lot of games for the Rams this year. He started some games at guard. Why? How did he lose his backup guard spot to Bobby Evans? You know, I I was wondering the same thing myself. And it was clearly the wrong decisions. <laughs> Evans looked like he was on another planet in this game. I mean, Evans wasn't ever really considered a guard. He was, by all means, considered a tackle. And I know that... I know that uh, 
they're playing, you know, they're practicing them to be a little bit more versatile to playing the guard position. And that's great if the need ever arises, but let's face it, Bobby Evans is a tackle. He's not a guard. And that's why when he had to replace Rob Havenstein a few times, he, he did a solid job, you know, yeah. but that was as a tackle. That wasn't as a guard. And you have Joseph Noteboom still there. And I, I don't I don't know what exactly happened in that situation, but for whatever reason, they felt more comfortable with Bobby Evans, and I wish they hadn't been. He, yeah. he was a big part of the reason why the offense just did terrible at times. There, the pass protection was awful, and he was probably the the biggest component of that, unfortunately. And yeah, I agree. He he played well at tackle last year. I I, I just don't really get why like they didn't go to Noteboom, uh, especially considering you know he was a starter at that position at the beginning of the year. And Edwards is we both thought Edwards was better before the year. I would say this after this year, we definitely think he's a better guard. But like Noteboom wasn't like horrible. Like he was fine when he was out there at guard. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you. Like I I don't understand why. No Poom didn't get any sort of faith there, but that's something to watch for in in uh, training camp, or if we have a training camp. <laughs> yeah, but, and like, unfortunately, like nobody was gonna ask Shawigbe this question in a press conference. So like, I don't, I feel like we don't have any clarity on it. No, uh, I, I mean, there was so many other questions to ask. I I know that that wasn't gonna get. Maybe somewhere down the road, people will ask why they didn't go with uh, Note Boom instead of Evans, but <laughs> it, yeah. it was a questionable decision. I, I was curious about I I had wondered if maybe Note Boom was hurt, but he didn't come up on the injury report at all, so unless that was an oversight, which I highly doubt, um, yeah, he was just benched. Yeah, I and I don't know why. Um, all right. Cam Akers played great, but let's save the Cam Akers circle jerk for a future podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of press conference quotes, we had some interesting quotes from Sean McVay about his quarterback situation. Uh, but first, let's take a quick break before we talk about it. Too much of anything is bad, but too much sports is barely enough. With that in mind, say hello to January 2021. From an expanded NFL playoffs in the BCS National Championship game to the return of the NBA and the NHL, this is truly a great month to be a sports fan. I always tell people to head over to MyBookie if they want to add a little excitement to the sports they love and the games they bet. I don't use MyBookie because some corporate overlord told me to use them. I use them because they're the best. They'll hook you up with a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's right, 1000 bucks when you sign up. And they'll keep the good times rolling with giveaways, free bets, and huge contests all year long. If this excites you, sign up is even easier. Go to my bookie, sign up, enter the promo code RAMSTALK, and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. In 2021, you're going to want to bet with the best. That's why you should head over to my bookie and bet with them. All right, I am going to try and read the big takeaways from these quotes. Uh, basically, after the game, Sean McVay did kind of like 
lean out, say that Jared Goff is his guy a little bit, but he really walked that back in posts in uh, quotes from his presser, I believe, which was it today or Monday or Sunday, whatever. It was the, the end of the season presser. When he was asked if Jared Goff is the Rams quarterback in 2021, he said, everything is being evaluated. I'm not ready to make any sort of statements with regard to any starting position or not. We're going to have a hot, have a level of competition in anything we do. He continued, I'm not saying anything other than we're evaluating that, and I think it's important that you do that every single position. No position is excluded from that. Uh, I would imagine that like he wouldn't say this about Aaron Donald or Jalen Ramsey, or probably Cam Akers, uh, or a couple players, but whatever. Um, and there has been reports that Jared Goff was very unhappy that John Wolford was the starter in the wild card round. Uh, Steve Wise of NFL Network said that this was a quote from him. The people I've spoken to said basically at this moment, the relationship with Goff and McVay, not great. They need marriage counseling is what one person told me. I think this is something that they're going to be able to work through but there's got to be some healing, and it's not just with Jared Goff's injured thumb. So and we've kind of all suspected that Sean McVay does not trust Jared Goff uh, based in his play calling, based with the Wolford decision, uh, which obviously the injury factored into that. But it, it is clear, like, if you watch this team at times, he doesn't really trust Jared Goff to execute some of the stuff in his playbook and some of the stuff that he trusted him to execute two years ago. Now, with Goff, he, he can't really be cut. Uh, the Rams would eat $65 million in dead cap if they cut him this year, uh, $30 million next year. His his real out in his contract is 2022, so that's two years away. Now, that being said, they did cut Todd Gurley at a very inopportune time, so next year there could be a chance they just eat that money if this gets a lot worse, but this year he will be on the he will either be on the Rams next season or he will be traded. I think before we get to the trade talk, Johnny, I'm wondering what you think of those quotes. You know, it's very obvious that he's he's not happy with how things played out. I think he realizes that this is too talented of a team to the result that they ended up getting in Green Bay. Uh, it, it's not so much that the Rams lost to Green Bay because Green Bay is a talented team. They're the number one team in the NFC for a reason. It's how they could have done much better. And the fact that the offense didn't play as well as it could have ultimately stems down to his trust in Goff. And there's no question that these two haven't been on the same page all season long. And... This is easily Goff's worst season under McVay. Easily. By by a long mile. <laughs> All that said, I, I don't think it's a huge surprise that he wants to look at other options. Whether it be guys that are on the roster or potentially outward. And hopefully that's the case because... The the real reason why Jared Goff is not excelling is because, as we mentioned multiple times on this uh, on this podcast, is that it's clear that Jared Goff is a system quarterback. This is a completely different system than what it was in 2018. There's different personnel around him, 
and it does no longer favors him. That doesn't mean that Jared Goff is a bad quarterback per se, but he certainly isn't a good quarterback under this system, under this coaching scheme. And for that reason, I can't blame McVay's comments. In fact, he he made it relatively known that he was talking about Goff here. Because let's face it, yes, he made the political statement about he, they're going to address that for every position. And yeah, to an extent that might be true, but are they going to are they going to seek other options for Aaron Donald too? No. No, they're not. Yeah. Uh I, I, I got to say, I, I'm happy to hear this. I'm happy. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean anything will happen because, as Steve mentioned, he's either got to be traded or, you know, he he's or we got to cut him for an excruciating amount of money. And that's probably not going to happen. So, either way, they have to consider all options, even if that means benching the guy, you know? Yeah, I I think I, I agree. I, I'm happy he said this. It's not like he went out there and said Jared Goff sucks and we need to replace him. Like he said this pretty pretty politically, and it's and Goff Goff is a competitor. I think we all agree with that. He he should be motivated after this year to be better, and he needs to be. He's set for life financially, so he could just go out there and not give a shit. But like, it will be much better for him. If, if he does give a shit because he's a talented quarterback, he's young, and although he is making an ungodly amount of money for the next couple of years, if he plays well the next couple of years, he will sign another contract that makes him even more fucking money. So, like, there is motivation to be, be good, and also, like, I don't think money is everything for the guy. I think he is a really, really loves football and is a competitor, so hopefully this lights a fire under this ass that his job is not secure anymore, and I think if there is no trade you have to bring in somebody that's going to be some competition for him. Maybe you think John Wolford is that. If that is the case, you need to make it clear that if Jared Goff has a tight leash and if he comes out stinking, they will put in Wolford. Because after next year, like I don't think they would cut him, but you can move on from his contract after next year. You can trade him. You could find somebody that would take him in a trade. You might need to attach a pick to it. It's not an unheard of thing. We saw happen with Brock Osweiler, a much worse quarterback than Jared Goff, <laughs> mind you. Um, he, he will be a tradable contract after next year. It will be hard to trade him, but like you could you could move on from that uh, if you're willing to attach something to it. But this year, if you're trading Jared Goff, you have to trade him to a team that thinks he could start. And there might be teams that think that, but it's going to be tough. Um, and obviously... Let's start with this, Johnny, because this is obviously the big topic of the week is that Deshaun Watson is miserable, and a lot of people think he's played his last game in Houston, and he gets a chance to be traded. Look, I there's no debate to this, and if you have a debate, feel free. But, like, if you can get Deshaun Watson, you get Deshaun Watson. I don't give a shit what you have to trade. Johnny, there's probably one player in the NFL who is undisputedly a more valuable trade asset than Deshaun Watson. Like, is that a hot take? Uh, no, not at all. Deshaun Watson, e- even despite losing DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> led the NFL in passing. Yeah. That's, that's like, impressive. Yeah. You, 
if there is an opportunity to get him, you go get him. Even if you like Jared Goff, you go get Deshaun Deshaun Watson. There is literally one team in the NFL. It's the Kansas City Chiefs who if Houston called them and said, what would you give us for Deshaun Watson? They wouldn't at least think about it. Like, I don't think Buffalo would trade Josh Allen for Deshaun Watson. I don't think Baltimore would trade Lamar Jackson for Deshaun Watson. But if that call ever happened, those teams wouldn't hang up immediately. They would think about it because he's that good. Quarterbacks of Deshaun Watson's caliber and youth do not get traded. It simply has never happened. I don't care what you have to give up. You give up everything to get that guy. That being said, Johnny, we are probably not getting Deshaun Watson. So it's like it's a fun conversation to have, but there shouldn't be a debate on like should the Rams go after Deshaun Watson? Of course they should go after Deshaun Watson. Like that's not a conversation. That's just a fact. If there's a chance to get him, you go get him. But uh, I I feel like I don't know. I, I feel like the Houston wouldn't want to get back Jared Goff. Deshaun Watson, and that would probably have to be part of the deal. <laughs> the funny thing is, I'm actually writing an article on that. Uh, keep a keep an eye out for the yeah. for the Deshaun Watson Jared Goff trade. And yes, absolutely, they Goff has to be a part of this equation because there's no way the Rams could afford both Deshaun Watson and Jared Goff on the same roster. Just won't happen. Uh, I I don't think it's feasibly possible at all. Unless they drop Aaron Donald or Jalen Ramsey. And even then, I'm not even sure that helps. But, yeah. Yeah, you... you yeah, Like, I mean, maybe you do it for a year. Just eat it to get Deshaun Watson. But, like, to invest, like, $70 million in one in a position where only one guy plays. Um, <laughs> really, you'd have to sell Houston on Jared Goff on top of giving them a shitload of picks and probably some other players. So the only way this really happens is if the rift between Watson and the Texans organization is so great that they can't work this out. And even then, you have to imagine that the Texans would want as much as they could possibly get out of it. And really, I don't know if that's what the Rams have. I mean, Goff, yeah, he he's a decent quarterback. He, he can offer experience, toughness. Is he on the same skill set as Deshaun Watson? Hell no. And the thing about that is when you, when you even break down the contracts, the only positive that the, that the Texans get out of this is they get a slightly cheaper contract Overall, they saved $20 million. Uh, so, okay. Uh, slightly less contract. And the out for uh, for Goff is 2022, whereas the out for Deshaun Watson is 2023. So, I guess that's a positive. So, if they want to yeah, move on from you Goff. You don't care about the out on Deshaun Watson. No, no, you don't. So... That it really just depends on how bad the relationship is. If it's as terrible as the media is making it out to be, and you know, Watson is threatening to like sit out the season, which he could, uh, I, I don't think that's gonna happen though. 
I, I'd love for it to happen. And obviously, if the trade does happen, you also have to think, what do the Rams include? Because there's no way in hell that the Rams are trading straight up Goff or Watson. No. And you're, that's you're the talking, other thing. Yeah, you're talking multiple firsts, and we don't have a first. We don't year, have a first. Us. Yep, yeah. Uh, you're talking multiple seconds and thirds, probably. You're probably giving up, like, a, I don't know which player, but a player like Cam Akers, Jordan Fuller, uh, somebody who's young and on a cheap contract uh, in this trade, for sure. Um, and you're giving up Goff. And you have to sell them on Goff. And to me, it's like if you're Houston and you're going to trade Watson for a flyer on a young quarterback, like, you could potentially trade him to the Jets and get Sam Darnold and the second pick. Sam Darnold is not on his next contract. Uh, he is on a much friendlier deal. Um, you could maybe, or I don't know if he, you could send him to Miami and get Tua. I think you'd rather have Tua than Jared Goff. Yeah. Uh, you you could send him to the Bears and get Mitch Trubisky on a franchise tag. Oof. You would might you might you probably would rather have Jared Goff than Mitch Trubisky, but if you make that trade, you get Trubisky on a one year deal rather than Goff, who you will have at least for two years, or you cut him and eat a shitload of money after this season. Um, it's just yeah, the combination of not having picks and Jared Goff's contract. And the other guys that will be available, like you could – like Miami would trade Tua and picks for Watson. There's no no doubt about it. I think there's just better offers for the Texans. And unless Watson is straight up like, I want to play for the Rams because he does have a no-trade clause in his contract, he could theoretically say, I want to play for the Rams, send me there. But, I like, th- that's not going to happen. He's not, he's not that kind of ego. Like, I'm sure he would give them a couple places. I mean that would be cool. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's like good friends with like Jalen Ramsey or something. That'd be awesome. Oh, it'd be it'd be delightful. Um, I so like I guess the other the other candidates for trade, and we could dive deeper into this later in a different podcast. But like just to throw them out there, guys that like could theoretically be traded guys that franchises have that are on big deals that they don't believe in it might be or not necessarily don't believe in but like the relationship may have run its course and they want to move on uh i think the most obvious candidate is matthew stafford who has been in detroit for a long time um he he probably wants to move on i think the team would probably want to move on to somewhere younger he's on a big contract i think that's something that you could talk yourselves into in detroit is getting a guy who's proven he could win um same with atlanta i guess like matt ryan might be in a similar situation but i don't i feel like he's probably not going anywhere no uh, kirk cousins okay mcveigh mcveigh's got the listen i would trade jared for kirk cousins i would fucking drive jared to minnesota myself i i don't know man i i don't know i, I absolutely would i'm not that one i'm not sure on i don't know dude I think he was a whole lot better than Jared Goff was this year. Stafford, I would drive to Detroit to 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 trade him, but uh, I don't know, man. I uh, with Kirk Cousins, like he's older. He is his ceiling, maybe not as high. well this year. I don't know, man. I I feel much more confident after this year. He has history with McVay. Um, he if they cut him after if like let's say hypothetically they trade for Kirk Cousins and they cut him after 2021 if it doesn't work out you only lose 10 million in dead cap um i i personally would 
gladly swap that even if I believe in Goff or in Cousins a little less. It gives you more flexibility for the future. Um, I would do it for Stafford. I would do it for Matt Ryan. Although I, eh. I would take Ryan in a heartbeat, to yeah, be honest. I, I would. I Like, you don't love it, but, like, the team is built to win, and he has a better chance of winning than Jared Goff does. Uh, the other, like, the only other guys, like, I don't think Derek Carr gets moved. He would be a candidate. And the last one, Shawnee, that that will absolutely get some traction from talk shows, I'm sure, would be Carson Wentz. Yeah, I was waiting and for that one. I'd rather I'd rather have Goff. I'd rather keep Goff. Yeah, same. Which yeah. is which is crazy. I would have disagreed with that a year er, in August. Yes, for sure. Uh, I I think that is something we can all. But <laughs> considering the utter trap, <laughs> the utter destruction that was the Philadelphia Eagles this season, who decide to bench Jalen Hurts, the only guy that was playing relatively well. (laughs) It's kind of like they they fired Peterson. A big part of the reason is that they want to play Wentz again next year. They're they're trying to sell head coaches on Carson Wentz still being the guy. It's like, why would you take that job? Like, I think that was the (laughs) worst. That's the worst job on the market to make. Yeah, I, I think you might be right. And that's saying a lot considering there's the New York Jets. I don't think the Jets is a bad job, man. I think they're like their organization is trash. But <laughs> roster wise, cap space, draft capital, that's a good job. Uh I personally think Staley probably got the well Staley got the best job assuming that Deshaun Watson gets traded. But if Deshaun Watson doesn't get traded, you take the job with Deshaun Watson is as the best job. I don't know, yeah, uh, but I, I debatable. The Eagles is a terrible job because you're stuck with Wentz. You have no cap space. Uh, yeah, if they don't want you to bench Wentz for Hurts, like you're really stuck with Wentz. I don't know. And um, just to kind of wrap up this conversation, like I don't really think, like, what te- like no team that doesn't have one of these big quarterback. Like I think the trade if there were a golf trade it would be like if it's not Watson, it would be like the Nick Foles Sam Bradford trade where it's kind of like let's shake these things up. This relationship has run its course. Let's see what happens with a, with a new guy that we could get that's also on a a not great contract. Like teams that are looking for quarterbacks, I don't think you're going to trade for Jared Goff like if Philip Rivers hypothetically retires, like Indy's probably not going to trade for Goff, I don't think. Um, not with Brissett there. Yeah, like I don't think Bill Belichick's trading for Jared Goff. No, you never know. Um, all the other teams look like Washington. Probably not, right? Nah, yeah, probably not. That's the only one that I could see. Like maybe they'll, maybe they'll fucking do it, but I, I, I doubt it. Um, and then the other teams like Jacksonville, the Jets, uh, they they would draft a quarterback. Yeah, forty the 49ers, that like they wouldn't they would not go after Jared Goff if they were to move on from Garoppolo. <laughs> and I don't think we would trade them, Jared Goff. Truly, I don't I don't think the Rams would ever do that. I don't think they want they wouldn't trade Jared Goff in the division. No, I totally agree with that. I. <laughs> Not when he can get revenge on you twice a year. 
Yeah, the Bears aren't trading for him. Like, the Panthers probably aren't trading for him. I don't know. I think most teams that don't have a quarterback that are looking to get a quarterback would either offer the the Kings ransom for Watson, which every single team in the league pretty much should, uh, except for Kansas City and maybe Buffalo and Baltimore and the Chargers. I don't know. That might be it. The Seahawks, the Cardinals, I guess. Like, yeah, this is going to be interesting. And we're definitely going to talk about this more in the next couple weeks. Probably all off season. <laughs> it's it's not going to go away. And it, it shouldn't. Um, because, he, listen, man, you pay that guy that much money and he's not getting better. And it sucks. But I am at least glad he went out on a positive no- a positive-ish note. Uh, this game was not his fault. Not if you're talking to Steve. <laughs> there is a positive, though, Steve. What's up? What's the positive? The Saints didn't advance. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay, Steve? Are you okay? Dude, I was almost rooting for the Bucks more than I was rooting for the Rams this weekend. I was so happy. I was so happy when Drew Brees was throwing those interceptions. Like, you're telling me this guy, Sean Payton, is a Hall of Fame coach, and he's giving Ty Montgomery handoffs late in the fourth quarter when you need to get offensive yards. You have maybe the best running back in the NFL, and you're handing the ball off to Ty Montgomery. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, well, I mean, this is the same guy that would rather use Hill over, uh... Yeah. He's a fraud, dude. He's a fraud, and I really hope that they... Keep Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback. Let Jameis Winston walk. Maybe he signs with the Rams. Who knows? I would fucking <laughs> love to have Jameis Winston on our roster. Can we afford him? I he we only made a million dollars here. I don't know. Can like, we afford that? <laughs> this is not like quick yes or no answer. If you could get Jameis Winston for nine million dollars, oof, I would do it. I think it's worth putting that behind Goff. It's not so much that I don't think he's worth it. It's do I spend $9 million on a quarterback and then I don't spend any more money for basically other than the draft picks? I don't know if I would want to do that. Yeah, yeah, it, it would. I guess, like, in a vacuum, like, hypothetically, like, yeah, you... This would be taking the place of a usable player, but, like, you could address some of your other needs in free agency. I don't know. Now, if I can get him for a million dollars, i do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, that ain't happening. He, no. No way. Um, and if he were to do a deal like that, he's probably not going to be at the Rams. I don't know. I don't know. No, because, like, if he's going, like, a million dollars, he could stay with the Saints. He could go to the, the Patriots, probably. Um yeah, God, I'd fucking love to have him though. I would rather, <laughs> I I might rather have him as my starter next year than Goff. I mean, at that point, could you could no no you still can't cut him. <laughs> the thing the thing about Jameis Winston is he's a turnover machine. Yep. But like he has those flashes of greatness, and Goff used to have them, and he hasn't really had them in a while, unfortunately. Steve, you're making me all depressed now. 
Oh, man. Well, it's going to be a fun off season. It was a fun season. I think we'll we'll dive into report cards and everything later, but I think this was a positive season for the Rams. There was a lot that struggle that we struggled with. If you've listened to this podcast, if you're still listening this late in the podcast, you know uh, we have had a trying year, but this for sure was a step in the right direction for the Los Angeles Rams. And there is a lot to dislike that we will dissect in the coming weeks, but I, Johnny, I'm sure you agree. To make the playoffs, to beat Seattle in the playoffs, and to give Green Bay a decent game, like I, this was a positive season and a better season than last year. Oh, for sure. Light years ahead. Um, yeah. And there, there's a lot to be excited about for the future. There's a lot of good young players, especially that were rookies. So um, there's there's some things to look forward to. It's just one major thing that's uh, causing problems right now. Well, at least it's a fun thing to talk about. Uh, we will have a lot of off-season content for you, so stay tuned. Uh, it's going to be a fun couple of months. You've been with us before. We have a lot of fun in the off season. If you haven't, uh, I hope you'll join us. I'd like to take the time to say rest in peace to John Arnett, former running back for the Los Angeles Rams. Unfortunately, he passed away, I think, just a few hours before we started podcasting. So um, uh, I, I think uh, I'd be remiss not to say uh, rest in peace and uh, hearts out to the Arnett family. Um, for those of you that aren't aware, the Rams talk is very huge on Rams history and Rams football, everything. So, um, to hear about John Arnett's passing was hard. And, uh, I, I didn't have the pleasure of watching him play. It was far before my time, but I do, I I have seen film on the guy and man, I wish I could have seen him in person or at least on TV at the time. Because he, he was something special. Uh, Steve, I don't know if you knew too much about him, but John Arnett was a very special uh, player in Rams history, and unfortunately he passed away at age 85. Yeah, it's it's always sad when, when you lose a legend like that, man. And, uh, yeah, I read I read your little write-up. And five-time Pro Bowler with the Rams during the late 50s, early 60s. Yeah, man, part of the history, a big part of it. And uh, he'll be missed. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we will be back with you guys next week. I went in there. I about threw up. I have a little bit more social awareness. That's to take a piss. Don't take a shit in the porta potties. All right. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.